I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy from the Kindergarten Kiosk Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect those of others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today we're catching up with a previous guest. Her name's Dana Stahl. She's the author of the ABCs of Learning Issues, a practical guide for parents. Join us as we look at a few more learning issues and talk about how parents and teachers should approach the coming parent-teacher meeting. By the way, our first talk happened at episode 275. If you didn't get a chance, it would be awesome if you went back and listened to that talk as well. Lots to learn today. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. For the past 35 years, Dana Stahl, MED, an educational consultant, diagnostician, child parent advocate, and learning specialist, has worked with families, educators, psychologists, and service providers to help identify learning issues in children and to provide the assistance, resources, and guidance needed to address these issues. Her recently published book, The ABCs of Learning Issues, is critically acclaimed and has been featured in Chicago Parent, LA Parent, Midwest Book Review, Education Update Online, and Special Needs Book Review. Her book, The ABCs of Learning Issues, received the Parent and Teacher Choice Award and the NAPA Award, National Parenting Products Awards. In 2014, she founded Educational Alternative LLC, building upon her experience in diagnostic assessment, educational intervention, and advocacy to help parents find schools and programs for their children. She explores alternative and educational options with students and families and advises on appropriate day and boarding school placements and differential instruction for children with learning deficits on therapeutic needs for special needs children, and on college searches for schools with learning disorder support programs. Dana, who struggled from a learning disability, became a learning specialist to assist children with learning issues to find compensatory strategies to reach their social, emotional, and academic potential. She also provides life coaching and counseling for children with learning disabilities, autism, ADHD, and dyslexia, as well as career and vocational counseling. Today, we're catching up with Dana to expand our previous conversation back in episode 275. Dana, thanks for joining me today. Say hi to everyone. Hi, and thank you for having me today on the program. I've been looking forward to coming back and speaking with you. Well, glad you're here. And uh, what I'd like to do is let's do a little overview of our talk from episode 275. And by the way, for listeners, if you haven't heard that, even though you don't have to to listen today, you know, go back there and check out episode 275 and, uh, and learn a little bit more detail about uh, Dana's book, The ABCs of Learning Issues. So before we go further, you know, we talked about the ABCs of Learning Issues, your book. Who's it for? And uh, let's catch them up to speed. Why would they want to read it? The ABCs of Learning Issues is an uh, excellent reference tool for parents to help them further understand learning issues and to understand how to advocate for their children by creating a partnership with their schools. It provides a, a list of uh, educational learning issues that are frequently uh, discussed through formal evaluations, and there are strategies for parents to use in the home and with the school so that together they can help their children succeed. 
Excellent. Excellent. And, and so what I'd like to do is last time we talked, we got into um, some specific topics out of there. And to, today we're going to go into a few more. Um, one of the things that I want to make sure I share with uh, the listeners is uh, what's one of the things that's so cool about your book is that it's easy to read and the format that it's set up in, you have these color, this color coding going on that really helps the, uh, the reader understand your book. And to the point where it's really, it's not really meant to be read cover to cover. I don't think it's, it's kind of helps you pick and choose where you want to be. Is that kind of, is that a good that's, description? That's exactly right. Exactly right. If a parent is having trouble on um, their child, they see their child is diff- having difficulty with reading, writing, arithmetic, they can go specifically to that area of the book and hone in on what do they need to learn about this and what can they do to help their child um, make the studies easier. Excellent. And so one of the things that you do, one of the sections is it's called uh, learning issues. And in each of, in, in this section, you have different learning issues and you describe, uh, um, you describe what it is. You, you give the clinical definition and then you give the ed- educator's definition and then you explain what it means, which I love. This is, you know, because clinicians oftentimes are only describing things for themselves and everybody goes, what? <laughs> and then the educators, we can do the same thing in our world. And, uh, and the parent can go, what? <laughs> and so you then describe what it means. And, and I love that so much. And what I'd like to do is pick up with um, two specific uh, learning issues. Today, this, one I want, this is the one I want to start with. Academic anxiety with regard to performance. Can you talk a little about that as a learning issue? The uh, academic anxiety with regard to performance uh, addresses that children who are experiencing these academic anxiety uh, are really struggling with the some underlying issues of why they feel so concerned that they're not going to be able to perform to the best of their ability. And I, um, there are expectations that we have for our children, um, teachers have for their students, and the students have for themselves. And performance anxiety interferes with the learning process because the students tend to shut down and cannot fully engage with the material being presented in class due to their fear or worrying of underachieving. Can we talk just a little bit about how this kind of, what this might look like to a teacher or what it might look to like to a parent, how they know that this is, might be what's happening? Well, um, these students appear to almost have a deer in the headlight syndrome. They might actually freeze. Um, it's sort of like stage fright where you have that moment where you understand what needs to happen and yet there is that hesitation on how to move forward. So um, parents that are observing this may observe that the students uh, have this inner fear that they're not going to be able to perform to the best of their ability or that their anxiety is gonna undermine them uh, as if they're, um, as if fright has taken over. So these in the classroom, uh, the teachers may need to just 
do certain things that will help them to relax and to feel more comfortable uh, because they have the skill set to succeed. They just do not believe that they have the skill set to succeed. Gotcha. The, uh, and I, you know, I know that is in this world of uh, some of the high stakes tests and so forth. I think we see this quite frequently as well as sometimes the other types of pressures that exist for uh, students ever trying to keep up with uh, a sibling or uh, um, thoughts where well-meaning uh, intentional adults say things that uh, go, go ahead. I was going to say, absolutely. The fears come from within. And regardless of the expectations that they feel externally, these children are feeling the expectations are internal. And they are almost insurmountable at times. So the parents and the teachers can partner together to help break assignments down into manageable tasks and let them feel this that they can accomplish each of the steps that are necessary. They'll receive feedback, uh, they'll, they'll receive direction, and they'll understand what is necessary to do in order to move forward. It helps so much. Sheer encouragement helps these children to think and to be able to relax. And so it's important that we uh, allow them the opportunity, both at home and in school, to stop and redirect their thoughts. Almost as if you want to take out five seconds and envision that stop sign and have the visual that you just stop and redirect when you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed. This engaging in mindfulness and meditation will help to alleviate some of the anxiety these children experience. Excellent. The, um, just good advice. The, uh, you know, when we're talking about academic anxiety, another learning issue that you have is academic anxiety with regard to transitions. Could you explain that? The academic anxiety with regard to transition is, differs from that of performance in that these children are they get stuck as if there's a snag in transitioning successfully from one component to the next. And so if you're involved in English language arts and then they're going to transition over into math, the child has gotten completely comfortable in the English language arts activity. And now that next secondary anxiety occurs for the transition of what's going to happen and how do I how do I conclude what I'm doing and how do I initiate the next one task and this unfortunately happens multiple times a day as you move from one content-based subject to the next or from lunch into recess into an art program and these students need to uh, find compensatory strategies that are going to allow them to breathe as one thing stops and the next thing begins. They deal very well with understanding structure and routine and will, can rely on what 
comes next. These are not students who enjoy surprises in their day. So would you say that, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that in both cases of academic anxiety with regard to performance and transition, the skill set involved to succeed is there. It is the anxiety that is undermining the learning process. So would you say that a good, ta- a good skill for an adult, whether parent or teacher, to have with a, a child that's going through these types of uh, anxiety uh, would be patience and maybe a little bit of empathy or understanding? <laughs> Uh, it's always helpful in any situation. Uh, and and what can also help in the, the teachers can set up what is the schedule of the day. And there can be a, a heads up that, you know, class ends in 10 minutes or we're going to be wrapping up math and leading into social studies. And just a simple heads up of what's coming next can really help with the student who has difficulty with transitions. Excellent. So, so let's, let's kind of get into, into the thought of a parent-teacher meeting coming out of what a, a parent can do. So a parent-teacher meeting is going to come up. Um, what are some questions that a parent could prepare ahead of time or at least look at asking during the meeting? You know, what are some types of there questions are, you ask? Well, uh, I always suggest to parents that they go into their meetings prepared because typically a parent-teacher meeting is about 20 minutes long and the teacher has an agenda as well. They need to indicate the present level of performance, how the child has transitioned into the school year, what's going on on a social-emotional level, um, are they getting along well, do they come to school prepared with their homework, um, Have they are they participating within class. So these teachers have a great deal of information to share with the parents. But at the same time, parents have a great deal of information to share with the teacher. They are the ones who understand their children and know where, what their strengths and vulnerabilities are and where the pitfalls were in the previous year and where they, sh- um, you know, they stood out. And they want to also uh, let the teacher have that information. So I always recommend to the parents that they go in with a list of questions and concerns as well as general information that they want shared. And the important component on a parent-teacher meeting is to make sure that you do not leave that meeting until all your questions are answered and or you have a follow-up meeting planned. Um, With regard to specific questions, there really isn't a list of specific questions. They'll vary according to the profile of each child and the concerns of each parent. But if there were questions um, with regard to academic concerns, some of the questions could be, what are my son's strongest and weakest subjects? What are some of the examples of the strengths and weaknesses he has? Does he seem prepared for quizzes and tests? Uh, Is there a disparity that exists between his knowledge base in class and his performance on quizzes and tests? And these are the types of questions that someone who's trying to seek out the academic competence of their children in class. But if the parents have questions regarding 
the social emotional side, if they're concerned about bullying, these parents can ask, is he sought out during structured or unstructured time? Does he have one or two friends with whom he feels comfortable? What steps are being taken to help him not be targeted by his peers? And what can we do together to help foster his relationships with his peers? And what we can do together is an important component for each parent to understand at a parent-teacher meeting. You need to partner together with your school. Uh, and the third um, component that parents uh, have questions and concerns for, so typically it's the academic, it could be the social-emotional, but attention is a big issue. And so if attention is an area of concern for the parent, then the question to the teachers may be, is she paying attention in class? Is she engaged in the lectures and assigned tasks? How will my child be evaluated academically? Will the attention component play into how she is challenged within the class? And how is she going to receive uh, feedback for her attention when she begins to daydream? or perhaps act out. Once again, the answers to these questions at parents and teachers meeting allow both the parents and the teachers to formulate ideas together on how they can move forward to help each student. Excellent advice, excellent. The, uh, I, and I think kind of where you're going with that is the, the thing that would be most, would be least helpful would be to go without if thinking ahead of time about what you want to talk about, what you want to, um, what your issues might be or what your fears might be and that sort of stuff, right? Absolutely. Preparing for a parent-teacher meeting is really important because the 20 minutes goes by very quickly. And some parents find that when they're walking out of that school building, they didn't have the opportunity to ask A, B, or C. And they go home feeling that they didn't, accomplish what they wanted to and by preparing for parent teacher meeting parents can feel assured that they have covered at least some of the things that they wanted to um the teacher to understand about their child that evening thank you it, you know one of the things that this brings to mind is is getting a discussion about this it, you know if a parent suspects that their child is experiencing issues challenges or just that they simply suspect that something's wrong, how can they approach the school? There are many ways in which they can approach the school, but the most important is to develop the French, the, a friendship, a trust, a relationship with the classroom teacher because it's the classroom teacher that spends 30 hours a week with your child, especially on the elementary school level. And they are their first point of contact and the one where they need to um, go in and say, I have a concern. These are my observations. I'm wondering if you're observing the same things. And through this beginning dialogue, the questions and concerns that the parent has at home will now become uh, observed 
um, questions and concerns at school, and either the school can tell the parent, no, no, at home, at school, we're seeing this. So I'll give you some tips on how you can help at home and some strategy. But by a parent bringing the attention to the school teacher, the teacher now says, let me look into this. Let me observe what I see. And they start to collect data. And it's from this data uh, that the whole process begins. If the teacher indeed sees something, then they will, they will uh, ask for a child study team, which consists of the classroom teacher, the school psychologist, the principal, the learning specialist, speech and language pathologist, the parent, and they'll come in and they'll say, these are our concerns. What do you think we should do? Where do we go from here? And during this child study team, a decision may be made that further screening is necessary, maybe by a reading teacher specialist, maybe by the speech and language pathologist. And so a screening will occur where greater data and observations can be made. And then that perhaps there will be a response to intervention that people within the school will start to work with the child on a building level to see if they can scaffold the support uh, and help to bridge and the um, skill set. And after time, if that is not the case, and the child does not seem to be making the gains that are necessary, then the child study team will suggest and recommend that a committee of special education meet, and with this team, then a formal evaluation is created so that the child's cognitive skills, present level of academic achievement, any areas where difficulty was being noted will be further explored, and this team of professionals will really help to identify the areas of difficulties and determine if a learning issue or a learning disability exists. You know, one of the, one of the things that I think uh, it makes it difficult to have these conversations is first of all, if it's from the per parents' perspective is that it's a little scary talking to the school about something <laughs> um, about your own child. And, uh, and hoping that they they don't uh, that there's no one there you know that that's going to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater type thing. We're gonna do all this stuff, and in the end, the kid will be forgotten. And and I think from the from the teacher's perspective, sometimes you have this this thought of, well, I know I've got these protocols, but what do I how do I really approach this? Because how do I how do I say that I'm seeing this? And I think there might be a a challenge or an issue here because that's Usually people don't want to hear that. Do you get any advice about actually having those conversations? I mean, just to even just to start it? It's always helpful if the teacher can feel comfortable and confident that what they are observing on is deviating from what is typical of their peers and their expectations in their classes and that they do indeed take the time to reach out to other colleagues in their school um, 
to request that meeting that we just discussed, to reach out to the parent and say, I'd like to schedule a parent-teacher meeting. Um, I want to discuss, you know, your child's strengths and vulnerabilities. And, and it's very important. And I do think that um, at times many people can struggle with it. Um, it is a hard thing to hear, as you said. Um, and even um, from a cultural standpoint, um, it can be even harder because uh, in certain cultures, there's not even the understanding of learning issues. It's just the mentality that they're, they're being lazy. They're not trying hard enough. If they, if they applied themselves more, it would be easier. And, um, and I have always uh, helped parents to understand that that's just not the case, that all children want to feel and be successful. And the ones that are not getting it, they're really not getting it. And the concept of something being easy is really, um, it's not there. It's like asking that three-year-old who's learning so hard, trying so hard to learn how a four-year-old to tie their shoes. And it's not easy. And it's, it, nothing is easy until it's mastered. And so the question then comes from the school and the home is, what are you going to do to support the child who is struggling? That's awesome. The, uh, you know, because it, it's so often having these conversations, it really requires somebody to kind of go to understand the protocols that you're talking with someone. And I think this is what kind of slows up the process that they, they, they know that they're talking with a parent about their child. And so that becomes kind of a nerve wracking sort of thing to have that happen you know, to actually have that meeting to talk with them about, you know, what they're seeing. And, and I know that schools have their protocols, but I know that just being able to have some advice about how to kind of understand how important it is that you have that conversation as opposed to thinking that, because sometimes, you know, as somebody in the building, whether it's a principal or a, or a teacher, we get the feeling that we can handle this. We can deal with this. We, it's just a matter of doing the, you know, whatever this thing is that uh, is going to fix it. And in the end, it may not be fixable like that. Uh, and, I, and I think that type of advice is just great. So thank you. Um, you know, being able to help us approach those, those meetings. Um, you know, one, one of the things I'd like to ask you is what advice would you give a parent if they're not happy, and, we, and I heard you touch about this, just touch on this just a little bit before, but what advice would you give a parent if they're not happy with the lack of attention? You know, the, the, they feel like there's a lack of attention or, or there's something else with their child that they're just not happy with. I mean, what suggestions would you go about uh, giving them and meeting with the school or trying to make a meeting happen if they're not happy with what's going on? Well, uh, at certain levels, the... Um if a parent is not happy with something, such as the implementation of a 504 plan or, or an IEP, once there is a plan in place, uh, there are many more structured uh, avenues to choose in which to go in and say, I have my concerns that A, B, and C haven't been addressed, and I really would like to understand how we could move this forward, and I thought I was going to receive my help in this capacity and and I'm not seeing that. So what can we do? But that has the, un, um, the tone is so important. Um, even if you're at the beginning stages where you're at home 
um, observing that your child is procrastinating and doing their homework and there's a, you know, always this in, um, difficulty on the initiation to completion of tasks and there's avoidant behavior and uh, negligent and they're not being detailed oriented and they just brush it off and any concerns that you have on a home level that is something that doesn't happen in isolation but again and again it's very helpful to be brought to the school level whether it's the teacher or a child study team or the building principal or a service provider within the building because it's important for parents to understand that each of these people each of these professionals within the building administrators service providers educators have come to the field because they want to make a difference and they really are there to help encourage children to feel and be successful but they need a partner and that partner is everyone at home whether it's a guardian a parent a step parent and someone who is helping out with the homework uh, preparation of quizzes and tests and together you need to say and keep it in eye terms when you're coming from home this is what I am observing these are the difficulties that I am seeing what can we do together what strategies can you give me that will allow me to help develop the skill set at home and it is only in this homeschool partnership that the children with learning issues and learning difficulties and attention issues and anxiety issues will find consistency and support in which they can find success. You know, one of the things that I think that uh, happens a lot of the times is that these types of meetings or these, there, there's, there's so much anxiety. You know, it's funny. When I was a high school principal, I'd have parents joke with me, but I'm not so sure they were joking sometimes when they would say, you know, it really feels bad me talking with you because I feel like I, you know, I, I always had this fear of being called to the principal's office. And so a lot of times they'd leave <laughs> you talking with them at some public function or something like this. And they, they'd, uh, um, basically you'd see them trying to figure out how to not keep talking with me. <laughs> I, 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 do, I do understand that. You know, it's like um, they regress to being a child when they're called to the principal's office. You know, he must have done something wrong. <laughs> right. It has to have a negative connotation to it or I wouldn't be sitting here. What are they seeing in my child that all these people are in this room and don't they see what a wonderful person he is? Um, I experienced this firsthand. When my son was having his exit program from a four-year-old school year of nursery school, I knew these teachers for two years. They were amazing. And I was going to have my exit interview with them. And it was the first time since I had, I'd been uh, at parent-teacher meetings since I was 20, 21 years old, student placement, graduate school, jobs. Now I was, I was sitting on the other end of the table for the first time and these two teachers were going to let me know what they thought of my child 
And all of a sudden, the tables were literally turned. And I walked away from that meeting with a greater level of sensitivity towards speaking to parents than I had ever had before. Not that I wasn't sensitive. It just brought it to a new level. And I had all these underlying thoughts. Would you just relax? What are they possibly going to say? He (laughs) colors outside the lines. She has to calm down. And there was this inner fright of what are they possibly going to say about my child and how is I going to receive that information? And that's really what these parents coming into this meeting, they are, they have vested all of their love and attention over the years to help support their children. And they see, they observe firsthand at home, something's not right. And these people sitting around the table, this group of professionals are going to tell them exactly what's not right. And it's very heart-wrenching. And yet, it's incredibly empowering because once you understand what are your child's strengths and vulnerabilities, you then understand what do I need to do to help. And there is the beginning stage of an action plan. That's excellent. That's, you know, it's, it, it's funny because uh, for the most part, everyone is trying to accomplish the same thing, which is trying to figure out how to help the child. But because we have already some <laughs> preconceived notions in our head um, about uh, either fears of the other side or the other side is not going to listen to me or, or uh, you know, and, it, and that, those questions come both directions here from the school side as well as from the home side. Um, you know, it's funny because sometimes you almost have to take those steps backwards just to say, take a few steps backwards just to say, um, can let, let's let's talk about why we're here. And and I've and I've seen those interactions get so much better when uh, there there has to be some reminders because sometimes people come in and I I think that uh, their first thing is that I need to. Uh, um, and I, I, this is, these aren't the right words, but it starts off just on the wrong foot where it's, it's about telling people, um, I'm going to tell the school exactly what I need them to do. And th- that the same can happen from the other side. I'm going to tell the parent exactly what they need to do. And I think that's the wrong way to go about it. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Yes, this is, um, I have seen that as well. You're absolutely correct, but they are unproductive meetings <laughs> right. because I, uh, Because if you can um, find a way in which you can relate to the parents, their concerns, their questions, and they can begin to understand, these are our observations at school. This is what we need him to learn to do in in order for him to work within the classroom and his peers and to find the success that we all want him to find. So, um... I think every industry has its language and there is a language within the field of education. And oftentimes parents don't know it. They don't know the difference between a push-in and a pull-out. They don't understand what um, what the school is saying when they talk about utilizing certain tools, accommodations and interventions to help a child. But once they do, once together, you have this level of 
a language that is common. Then you, you increase the dialogue and you increase communication and therefore you increase a partnership. And that I think is key for parents feeling comfortable and for the schools being able to say to the parents, we need to be able to do A, B, and C in order for your child to uh, progress in the manner that would be successful for him. Excellent. What What's one thing, you know, we're, we've been talking about preparing for the meeting a couple different ways and from the parent side and the, and the school side. And if, if you were to give, if, and let's, let's take a contentious sort of situation. If you're going to give one piece of advice to both sides and you're kind of acting like a mediator, <laughs> what, what would be something that you would want to say um, to kind of get people to think about the reality of why the meeting's been brought together? Uh, the parents need to go into the meeting on uh, believing that these are professionals that have entered this field because they have a child's best interest at heart. They should not in any capacity be looking at the professionals in the room from the administrator to the educator to the service providers as adversaries. These are the people who are there to help their child move from one stage of development to the next. That is my advice to the parent. My advice on the school side is for them to listen to the concerns that the parents are bringing to the table. It may very well be that their child is exhibiting the ability to read in class, but at home, it becomes apparent to the parent that comprehension is compromised. It may be apparent to the teacher that, that from a computational standpoint in math, the child is not succeeding and making careless and erroneous errors. But at home, it's apparent to the parent that the child is conceptually understanding that five times two is the same thing as five plus two, and therefore does not understand why they're not having the success on the quizzes and the tests that are in school. So it's twofold. The school needs to listen to the parents. They spend the most amount of time with the child. Their observations are true. And the parent needs to understand that the school is there to help. And they are the professionals and have the ability to know how to help. But it doesn't work unless you form a home school partnership. And I love that. I love that reference because that is so important because otherwise if one's dominating the other or is refusing to listen to the other, it just, it just, the kid's going to lose. The kid's going to lose. Right. That's, that's exactly it. The, uh, you know, one of the things I, I want to shift off, off of the meetings and such for a little bit and, and sorry to keep going at that, but I think sometimes that that's something that we really need help as professionals and as parents because the meetings are going to have to happen and we want them to go well. And I appreciate you spending some time there with me. The, uh, 
could you share a little bit about, uh, let's, let's go to something different. Could you share a little about adapting homes for LD children? Certainly. Um, so the concept of this uh, is that if children have learning disabilities from nine to three, they do not go away from three to nine. So from bus to bed, if you have time management and organization difficulties in school, you're going to have time management and organization difficulties at home. So it would be helpful for the parent to understand that and to create a type of time schedule that might work. So snack, play, homework, you know, uh, dinner, bath, bed, whatever. Create time management and organization for the parent, uh, child so that they can have a framework in which to uh, direct themselves. If indeed uh, the child has difficulty with left-right directionality or visual perceptual um, skills in school, they will at home as well. So in doing something as simple as helping prepare for a dinner, uh, maybe turning on the oven, that uh, right front burner looks a lot like the left back burner. And so maybe they could be color coded. Maybe we could have red for hot and uh, the blue for cold, or, or you could do an R and an L and help them create their own uh, ability to adapt the stove. Uh, if you, they get overwhelmed by really large places, then uh, let's let's create a play environment or a work environment that has dividers and they can find things that are necessary. So it's just not all just one big open space. And it's just the realization on the parents' part an increased sensitivity to Difficulties that they experience at school will become difficulties at home. And, and this is another way in which parents can go to the school and say, well, what do you do that helps in this situation? And then they can be consistent with what is the school doing, and it will be helpful to the kids. Organize that book bag getting out in the morning, make sure the folders are in and the shoes are by the door and the coat is there and the gloves. And so they're not scattered and the bus doesn't get missed because they're looking for four different things in the last 30 seconds. And so it takes a little bit more time on the parent's side to think about where does my child need help? And then they help coordinate that within the home. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, but before we go, if someone wanted to connect further with you, Dana, where would you send them and, and where can they find, uh, find your book, ABCs of Learning Issues, a practical guide for parents? The, um, my website, Education Alternatives LLC, uh, will be an excellent resource to explain about in my um, practice that focuses on educational advice, advocacy, and school placement. Uh, it will have the um, where to go to get the book on the ABCs of learning issues that is in English and Spanish. It also has a URL available where you can ask confidential questions um, and raise concerns about your children, and I will answer them. 
And the, at the end of March, there'll be an online um, course for parents that will um, help to support and advocate for children. And within that, there will be 10 various informational sessions, some of which we address today, such as the parent-teacher conference. Uh, so my, I hope to have a continued dialogue uh, with your listeners, and I greatly appreciate your time today. Well, this has been awesome catching up with you again, Dana. I appreciate you taking time to do that. You know, I, I want to remind everybody that uh, back at two X. Episode 275 is uh, the, our first uh, talk about the ABCs of Learning Issues, A Practical Guide for Parents, which is your book. And uh, um, this is neat catching back up and getting into some, some more specifics. Uh, you know, it's a book that not only parents, but all educators should read. And your, your book is helpful, too. It is so helpful. Um, it's easy to use, and it, it, it's just thought-provoking, as well as, you know, the formatting of it, the color coding and uh, the way you explain things um, just uh, can give people a little comfort in understanding what some of those terms are that have been thrown at them by the, um, by all the people that <laughs> might be surrounding them all of a sudden, you know, um, I, I thank you so much for sharing the, your book, the ABCs of learning issues, a practical guide for parents with us today. And thanks for joining us again and wishing you the best in all that you do. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great day. Teaching learning leading K-12 is excited to be a member of voice ed radio, voice ed radio. Your voice is right. Here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.